Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Michael Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Give the podcast a follow as well at Big Ten MM. It is Monday, January 13th, 2020. And holy crap, if you're watching and paying attention to Big Ten basketball over the weekend, it has been absolutely nuts. Because not only is there great basketball being played, but there are literally upsets everywhere. And we're going to start off with Friday with an upset. Surprising. Iowa hosting Maryland. 12th ranked Maryland. Iowa going into the game 10-5. and five. Put the heart down on Maryland. 67-49. to 49. And it wasn't Luca Garza in this one. Because you expect, you know, Iowa has one of the best players in the country in Garza, but no. It was Joe Wieskamp, and Wieskamp was absolutely awesome in this game. 26 points, 11 rebounds. Now, let's put it this way. It wasn't like Garza was terrible. Not his normal good type of shooting. Still scored 21 points, had 13 rebounds for the double-double, but only shot 8 of 21. So, when you look at Wieskamp and his line, he was 5 for 9 on threes, 9 of 16 total shooting from the field, 3 three from the free throw line, added those 11 boards. He had 4 steals as well. Yeah, that was the guy who carried the Hawkeyes because those were the only two Hawkeyes, Wieskamp and Garza, that were in double digits in scoring. Yeah, they only scored 67 points, but they held the Terrapins to under 50. That's some damn good defense. And that was just the beginning of this wacky basketball weekend. Indiana hosted Ohio State on Saturday. And boy, did the Hoosiers get a big-time win here. The 11th-ranked Buckeyes now have lost four games in a row. They're skidding right now. At one point in time early on in this year, they were almost the number one team in the country. Well, I'm not sure if that got to their heads or whatever, but Kyle Young made his return, and to me, he was the key. He's the glue guy. I'm not sure Young is 100% healthy, and it was just a game where it was back and forth. At one point in time, the Buckeyes got a chance to tie the game up in the second half, but then Indiana put it down and ended up winning. 66 to 54 yet another upset and I got a chance to watch the majority of this game and I'll tell you what although Trace Jackson Davis really didn't have a huge impact I thought he was one of the better players on the court it was Robert Finnessy who really was the guy as the starters 13 points and seven rebounds and then off the bench this is what I don't think the Buckeyes were expecting because when you looked at the team, you thought, all right, stop Jackson Davis, stop Finnessy, and you're probably going to get a W. But no. Off the bench, senior Devontae Green went off. Absolutely monster game. 19 points. He had five boards. He was absolutely phenomenal in his 29 minutes off the bench. And I think he was the key for the Hoosiers. Look at this. He went two for three. From three-point land they shot 36 free throws compared to 19 for the Buckeyes and the Buckeyes have been on a cold streak because overall they shot under 35% from the field 
They shot under 60% from the free throw line. That is just absolutely horrendous. Now, the Hoosiers, they didn't shoot much better from the free throw line. Only 55%, but they shot 6 of 12 from 3. And that typically will put a team in a bad situation, and that's exactly what happened as the Hoosiers get a big-time W over the Buckeyes. Northwestern beat Nebraska 62-57. I'm not going to say that was quite an upset. Those two, these are probably two of the worst teams in the Big Ten. And holding court for Nebraska, I'm sorry, for Northwestern, eh, you know, that, that is what it is. So congratulations for Tom Collins and that crew because, you know, they needed a win. First win inside the conference. And, you know, Hoiberg's team, they're, they're still struggling, not doing much. Like I said, I because of the late addition of Hoiberg and the transfers, him not being able to recruit, enough to get some players in it's going to be a rough year for nebraska this is a building year and you didn't really expect much off to more upsets penn state number 20 hosted wisconsin and wisconsin they did their thing micah potter's return has been enormous so if you don't know potter was a buckeye last year and potter prior to the season opted to transfer for some dumb reason, the NCAA said, you know what, we don't want to allow Potter to be eligible immediately. Yeah, he sat out the whole year, but we think that he needs to sit out another semester. Just a terrible, terrible rule by the NCAA because Potter should have been eligible at the beginning of the year. Well, Potter's impact has been felt because Potter was amazing in this one. 24 points, 13 rebounds, added a block as well. For the visiting Badgers as they got the road win over a ranked Penn State. Unbelievable. Because, look, it's happening all over the place. I'm going to make the argument that the Big Ten is the deepest basketball conference in the country. I've seen multiple projections for the NCAA tournament. It's got eight to nine Big Ten teams in there. We'll get into that after I recap the rest of the games, but it's just unbelievable. Lamar Stevens was great for the losing Lions in this one. 19 points, 13 boards. He did everything he could to keep Penn State in the game, but it just wasn't quite enough. So, you know, you, you look at it, and Isaiah Brockington off the bench chipped in 15. He tried his best, but... Again, those were the only two players in double figures. Brockington was the only player off of the Penn State bench to score. A combined 37 minutes from three other players didn't pitch in a point. That's not going to do it. Not going to do it. You have to credit the Badgers' defense, though, because they held them under 33% shooting. That's pretty solid they shot 40 percent themselves from the field only 28 percent from the field and this is a, a concerning thing for me i'm seeing a lot of big 10 teams struggling at the free throw line wisconsin probably could have had a little bit heftier win on this one if they didn't shoot 
57% from the free throw line. Now, Penn State was very solid from the line at 71%, but still, it's a, it's a little concerning going forward because especially in tight games, this is where you win and lose the games on the line. And unfortunately for Wisconsin, going forward, they're, they're going to have to fix that. Uh, along with other Big Ten teams, they're going to have to fix that. The Illini got an upset over Rutgers, I think. However, eh, this one actually, the teams are pretty even. It was such a slow game early on. The Illini only scored 18 points in the first half. Rutgers 21. And I've said this all year. I think Rutgers is severely underrated. Very much so. And the Illini got a big-time win. They are up there in the Big Ten rankings now. I believe they are in second place. I'll get to that in a second. And, wow, Ayo Desumu has just turned it on. And there was a lot of chatter early on that Brad Underwood was just letting this team down and it was going to be another failure for the Fighting Illini. Well, guess what? That is not the case. They have finally turned it on. They are starting to play some damn good basketball here in January. Sunday. Guess what? Upset, upset. Unbelievable. Purdue handed Michigan State the program's worst loss ever as an AP Top 10 team. Purdue murdered the Spartans, 71-42. to Only two players for Michigan State in double figures, Cassius Winston with 10, and Ricky Watts, Rocket Watts, I'm sorry, with 10 also. It was a bad game. Two for 16 from three. They shot 35% total from the field. It was bad. 18 total turnovers. Nine of them from Cassius Winston. That is not a Naismith player of the year type of line. And it's actually a little surprising to me because Michigan State, I thought they were coming around. I really did. I thought they were trying to, they were, they were making it. And here's a guy that you're going to really need to pay attention to, Travion Williams. I mentioned earlier last week he had a 32.20 board game. Now, this wasn't that. It was 16-7 and seven in the win over Michigan State. But he's controlling the paint. He's doing everything that he can down low, and he's making it really difficult for other players to do their thing down low. You had Stasha Stefanovic chipping in 10 points as well. Eric Hunter also with 10 and off the bench. You had Evan Brodeur with 11, added five boards. And it's not like Purdue did anything overtly special to win this game. But I'll tell you what they did do. They didn't turn over the ball. Only six turnovers all game. The Spartans had three times that number. And when you have that type of production, keeping the ball away from the other team, yeah, you're most likely going to win. That's exactly what happened. But it was a historic win for Purdue. The other game, Minnesota, who I think has underachieved big time. Richard Pitino really hasn't been able to get his team going. Going into the game 8-7, and seven, just a game over 500. Well, you know what they did? Visiting number 19, Michigan came into their house. Said, hey, Jawan Howard, 
no thanks. We're going to put an end to this right now. Xavier Simpson was his typical awesome self. 19 points, 9 assists. Franz Wagner, Moritz's little brother, added 17 as well. But those are the only two players from Michigan in double figures. And if you watch the game, I tweeted this out. Daniel Oturu at one point in time went down. It looked like a serious injury. It wasn't hard to tell what it was. He was on the floor for a few minutes. But you know what? He got back up, and he had one of the more impressive games that you'll see. Ended up 13 of 18 from the field for 30 points in this win. You also had Marcus Carr chipping in a double-double as well with 21 points and 12 assists, 7 of 13 from the field. Patino didn't go much to his bench. He pretty much rode his starters. Only two players scored off the bench, and they each chipped in just two points. But I'll tell you what, when you score 50, I'm sorry, when you shoot 55% from the field and you hold the opponent under four, under 45%, that's going to do it. Only had five turnovers all game. However, this again, this is something that's concerning to me. They only shot 15 to 27 from the free throw line. That's 55%. A little bit more. It's not going to do it. But Michigan, they only got to the line six total times in that game. Six total times. It's, it's boggling my mind. Now, let's get off to the standings. And this is crazy. Because I'm going to name some names up at the top of the list. You're going to say, oh, wait, what? This is where they are? So Michigan State leads the conference at 5-1. and one. Like I said, the Fighting Illini were second in the conference at 4-2. and two. A little surprising there for the Illini. Maryland, no surprise there. A top 25 team. They're 3-2. and two, Tied with Indiana, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. Huh. Rutgers? Really? Okay. Good job, Rutgers. Like I've been saying all year long. Rutgers is very, very much underrated. Purdue, Minnesota, right there, 3-3 three and three inside the conference. Penn State, another top 25 team, 2-3 and three in the conference, 12-4 overall. Iowa, 2-3 and three in the conference as well. Michigan, 2-3 and three in the conference. A ranked Michigan team, 2-3 and three in the conference. No surprise here. Nebraska, 2-3, 7-9 total. Here's a little surprise, though. The Buckeyes are tied for last at 1-4, 11-5 total. They are a top 15 team. They are tied for last in the conference with Northwestern. Unbelievable. This Big Ten basketball season has been absolutely ridiculous so far. Absolutely nuts. I mean, they're going to have a lot of teams that are going to make the NCAA tournament. Michigan State's going to make it. Illinois is going to make it. Maryland's going to make it. Indiana's going to make it. I believe Rutgers is going to make it. Wisconsin's going to make it. Purdue should make it. Minnesota should make it. Penn State should make it. Michigan should make it. Ohio State should make it. That's a lot of teams. That's a, that's a potential 11-team conference you know out of, out of the tw uh, 11 teams that I think that could make it I might be going a little crazy here but in all reality 
I think there's only two teams that really don't have a chance to make the Big Ten uh, out of the Big Ten to make it. There's a potential 12 teams. I mean, am I crazy? Am I nuts? I really think the only two teams that have no chance are Nebraska and Northwestern. I think every other team inside the conference has a chance to get to the NCAA tournament. I might be crazy, but I think it's realistic. It's just absolutely nuts. Just crazy. <laughs> just absolutely nuts. All right, let's get into some of the hardwood. I'm sorry, the uh, not the hardwood. I just went over the hardwood. Uh, we'll get into some of the happenings on the football field. Illini are going to lose Owole Batiku. He is off to the NFL. The USC transfer at one point in time was leading the country early on in sacks before suffering an injury and missing out on multiple games. This is a big one for the Illini because Batiku, if he came back, the USC trio was absolutely fantastic this year. And, you know, Motorbehebe, he's going to end up staying. But Batiku, no. He's off to the NFL. Michigan State's losing wide receiver Cody White to the NFL. Also, this one, again, I'm not sure if White's making the right decision, but I think that he realizes that he might have a better future in the NFL and a better offense than what Michigan State's bringing because Mark D'Antonio in the past couple of years have had issues with the offense, and as you know, they haven't made any moves to improve that. Last year, a reshuffling of coordinators to try and potentially get a spark on the offense. That didn't work. I think they need to bring outside voices in. They need to bring somebody new in. Mark D'Antonio needs somebody new to come on in and say, hey, this is how modern offenses are run. Let's try to run some new plays here. It just hasn't happened. On the other side of Michigan for the Wolverines. They're getting really good news as corner Ambry Thomas. He is going to return for his senior year for the Wolverines. Big boon for Jim Harbaugh. That's a big one because they've seen a lot of people leave, including Donovan's people Jones, Cesar Ruiz. So finally, some good news out of a returning player for Michigan. This is huge for Tom Allen in Indiana. They've added Kevin Wright, former IMG head coach, in his tenure at IMG, 44-2. And if you don't know much about IMG, I'm going to explain to you what IMG is. IMG is a prep school in Florida. IMG is a private school. IMG is allowed to go out and recruit players. So Kevin Wright has a recruiting background coming out of high school. And IMG... I just told you what his record was at IMG. And I'll tell you this. IMG consistently puts big-time talent into NCAA programs. My friend Nick Shepkowski gave me this stat yesterday. There are 20, 20 IMG players that will play in tonight's national championship game. 20. Wow. That's talent. And this is a huge get for Tom Allen because Kevin Wright knows talent, knows how to develop talent, and will go out and find talent. He's going to be their tight ends coach, and I cannot stress how big of a get this is for Tom Allen. Unfortunately for Penn State, they are losing a coach in wide receivers coach Gerald Parker. He's going to move on after just one season in Happy Valley. 
going to West Virginia as their offensive coordinator. James Franklin got an opportunity to speak out about this, and he's very happy for his former wide receivers coach because a lot of times when you'd see coaches leave, if it's a lateral movement, you're like, uh, I don't know what they're doing. Why are they going when, you know, Penn State, great situation. Well, you know what? Parker's getting an opportunity to go to a big-time D1 school and go call plays as an offensive coordinator. James Franklin was very happy about this news. He congratulated Parker, and he was happy for him. And I love that. I really like to see that. You know, a lot of times coaches are a little bit bitter about other coaches leaving. Pretty neat to see James Franklin happy about Parker getting an opportunity in Morgantown in West Virginia to call place. So, unfortunately, they're going to have to find a new wide receivers coach. Sporting News' Vinny Iver released his 2020 NFL mock draft, and you're going to hear a lot of the same names. However, there's one that popped up that's a little bit different that I really haven't seen in the first round. We'll start off with Washington picking number two. Clearly, they have Chase Young on their radar. Detroit at number three would take another Buckeye, Jeff Okuda. So two Buckeyes in the top three. Very impressive for Ryan Day. A nice little feather in his cap. You have the Giants at four picking A.J. Epinesa. That makes th three out of the top four NFL picks, Big Ten players. Very, very impressive. Tristan Wirfs, the other Iowa Hawkeye, would go 14th if Iver has is correct to Tampa Bay. He's got Itur Grossmatos, Penn State's talented defensive lineman, going 16 to the Falcons at 18. Here's the one that was a little bit surprising to me. He's got the Miami Dolphins selecting Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin's star running back. That one a little bit interesting to me. I haven't seen Taylor pop up in many first rounds of mocks. Usually he's being selected in the second round. And towards the end of the draft, losing yesterday in a heartbreaker, Seattle, 28th overall, they would pick center Tyler Biotish. Very solid showing for the Big Ten inside this 2020 NFL mock. You're talking about three of the top five players. Wow. Very, very impressive if it turns out how Iver sees it. 24-7 Sports Brad Crawford released his way too early top 25. We'll go in reverse order. At 15, he's got the Gophers coming off of arguably one of their greatest seasons of all time. He thinks that the boat will be rowed again, and P.J. Fleck will have uh, at least start off in the top 25. He's got... Paul Christ's Badgers at 14. They are losing a ton of talent. As I just told you, it seems as if they might have two players off into the first round in Taylor and Biotish. Not only that, Aaron Cruikshank decided last week that he was going to transfer out. And, and Quintez Cephas also made his declaration to the NFL. So a ton of offensive talent is going to have to be replaced for the Badgers. Michigan. He's got them at 13. Like I said, Ambry Thomas, fortunately for them, staying. But other guys going like Ruiz and Donovan's people. Jones, you've got Penn State at 10. Uh, a lot of talent returning for Penn State. Uh, yes, he took Gross Matos off to the NFL. But they still have Micah Parsons, a all-American linebacker. You've got 
Sean Clifford coming back for a second year. Uh, Lorenzo Kane getting his second year as well as a running back. There's a ton of talent. They are losing K.J. Hamler, however, so... Uh, I think Penn State will be pretty damn solid and the highest-ranked Big Ten team in the country, to no one's surprise, with Justin Fields returning. They are losing J.K. Dobbins, however, but and Jeff Okuda, Chase Young, lots of talent to replace for Ryan Day and his Buckeyes. However, there is no other team in the conference that recruits as well as Ohio State, and if there's one school that can handle a mass exodus of underclassmen, it is the Buckeyes, and he's got them ranked at second overall in the country behind number one Clemson. So if, if he's got it that way, there's potential that you could see a Buckeye-Clemson college football championship game, which is kind of what I thought it was this year. I thought the winner of the Ohio State-Clemson game will go on to beat LSU. I didn't think LSU was going to get much of a challenge from Oklahoma, which is exactly what happened. So a quick preview of tonight's game. I'm just really going to tell you a score. I believe, and I put this on Twitter yesterday, I think it's going to be Clemson 42, LSU 35. going to be a very, very exciting game. I just think, again, the experience of the Clemson Tigers at the end of the game is going to trump the ultra-talented LSU team. Dabo Swinney, just, he has a magic touch in these kind of games. And he's got a quarterback that just really doesn't lose. Trevor Lawrence has lost, in, since his sophomore year of high school, he's lost one game. Trevor Lawrence doesn't like to lose. Trevor Lawrence somehow makes a win come out of nowhere. So I've got the Clemson Tigers as back-to-back -back national champions. That would make three of the last four years. Very, very impressive what Clemson has done and what Dabo Swinney has done. And if they can keep this train rolling, wow. And, and they might be because you know they've got a quarterback coming in and DJ Ugalele out of California. He's going to be a very, very good quarterback. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to redshirt this year behind Lawrence. They might try to get him some time so he gets some reps. But talent everywhere. Talent everywhere. And talent trumps everything. That's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. I appreciate the listen. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the Twitter page for the podcast as well. It is at Big Ten MM. Go ahead and follow the show page as well. That's at Two Cents Pods. That's our website. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm sorry, on Facebook as well at Two Cents Pods. Go ahead and like us and over there because, you know, we'd like some Facebook love too. Rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Monday, Big Ten fans. Talk to you tomorrow morning.